0: Thank you Miss Kathy for uh, the song and, and doing the best you can with getting the songs ready for the congregational singing and thank you Brother Scott for leading the uh, singing and thank you for the hospitality you folks that showed me since I've been here and uh, my wife as well. I'm certainly grateful uh, to be able to be a part of your service here this evening and I trust that the Lord will be a blessing through the Word of God, and uh, that He will uh, just change all of us through His Word, and help us to be what God wants us to be. Now, I, I do appreciate everybody giving me this candy basket. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I know that gets old. I say that every time, don't I? <laughs> uh, but, but I'm grateful uh, that uh, you, could, you can have me here, and I can be here. And uh, I, I want I want to share this because I don't get to see you very often. Uh, man, many of you probably wonder how our family is doing. Um, my uh, my my oldest uh, son uh, and uh, my uh, youngest daughter uh, they both uh, graduated from college, Bible college, and um, last year uh, they both they both found mates at college and they both got married. And uh, my oldest is living in Butte, uh, serving with Pastor Derek Lowen, and I don't know. I think you know who Pastor Lowen is. Maybe some of you might, but uh, but anyways, he is uh, he is in Butte, and uh, they are doing well there, serving the Lord there, and just uh, just you know doing what they can to help further the church there and do the work of God there. And then uh, my youngest daughter Hannah. Um, she and her husband they moved to Arkansas they were serving the Lord in West Virginia but they moved to Arkansas to a church that's just getting started Um, they had been going for about a year and they were looking for some help and so the Lord called them down there and so my son-in-law is uh, keeping busy down there serving the Lord and working with the uh, young people and uh, uh, leading the music and my daughter plays the piano and I think I just heard them singing a special this morning in their service, and so they're they're serving the Lord there. And my uh, second, my third-born daughter, um, she got married in 2019, and her and her husband uh, in a couple weeks uh, will be going to a missionary candidate school. They uh, uh, feel, feel like the Lord's calling them to be missionaries and. Uh, as far as we know, right now, back to England, where he, uh, his family were missionaries, and so they're they're getting ready to do that. And we're excited about that. And then my second-born son, Luke, you you prayed for him as far as his health. I know many of you are probably wondering how he is doing. Um, last February, I literally had to t- go out and. Uh, pick him up at college because he was having too many physical problems. And uh, and it was a very trying time. It was very hard. As a matter of fact, we couldn't even ride in a car. We had to take a train all the way back. Um, and it was a long train and uh, train trip. And when he got back, he, uh, he got to my father-in-law, who lives up there. And, uh, and uh, he collapsed and fell into the mud. It was raining. And... And my father-in-law and I had to carry him into the room, and uh, but um, and then he he was just having a lot of trouble um, still with his accident. And then in September he was feeling good enough to go back to school. But when he went back to school, um, things were really rough. Um, he for probably about a month or so he was really going. Yeah, he he had passed out and had uh, seizure about 27 times. And that was just like walking along in the dining hall, just any number of places. And we found out uh, a, a nerve doctor um, and he does some things that are different. There's not very many of them in the United States that does what he does. And he's close by, literally within 10 minutes of the college. And so uh, they're, We had no idea, but I think somebody had suggested, well, maybe he should go see him. Well, ever since he's been seeing him, uh, it's almost spooky what this guy can do, what he's been able to do. But I say spooky in in just the sense that he does just strange things, but it works. But we also know that prayer works. And God has used, through this this physician, through this man... um, to help Luke in a lot of things, and uh, he's he's done really well. He went finished off last semester, went back this semester, and um, he's going to be finishing up an entire year. and It looks like he'll pass all of his classes, mm-hmm. and and uh, some of his classes will get A. Some of them not not quite as good, but um, he's been able to, you know, he can't take very many classes, and uh, thanks to um, the people that are there, the people in charge of the education uh, program, they were able to allow him to stay in the dorms for less classes than he, you know, normally would be allowed to take, just because of his condition. And you know, they know what he's gone through; they know the situation, and so it's been very nice. And then, on top of that, they uh, hired him on at the college to do some construction work. And maintenance work and he has been um, fixing up some dorms Uh, he there's one wing of a dorm that uh, really was in need of repair and he's been painting he actually fixed up a study room which they never had before uh, for the young men that would come from work after work after hours instead of having to be in their room and waking everybody up with the lights on and stuff and so that concept um, he brought to his boss there at the college, and um, they 're wanting to do this on every floor uh, he 's come up with a lot of good ideas and um, so uh, just pray continue to pray for him um, and and he will graduate next year it won 't be a four year course, but he will graduate um, he's just he 's got nine credits I think left after this semester so um, He really wants to finish up, he wants to graduate, and he hasn't passed out, I don't think he passed out at all this semester, so um, that's a blessing. I know I'm taking a little time, but I hardly ever get to see you, and you're praying for him, and so uh, just continue to pray for him, and uh, I know he probably wouldn't want me to say this, but just pray that the Lord would give him a good girl, Um, so... Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of interested in somebody right now, so we'll just have to see how that works, but just, just pray. Uh, all of us siblings are, are married, and, uh, speaking of that, my, the, the ones I told you, my third born who got mo- married in 2019, they just had a baby in December. So we actually got to see our first grandchild in January, we went out there, and, uh, In a couple weeks, we're actually going about going to go back out there and see the grandchild, but also to help them so they can go to the candidate school, and then they have a baby dedication at the church, and so we're going to stay for that. Mm. Um, So we're we're excited about that. And my youngest is due in September with her first. Now I think it looks like she's going to have a girl as well. So we've got we got two. We'll have at least two granddaughters. uh, that we know of by the end of the year <laughs> so we'll, we'll see we'll see how that all goes but uh, I want I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to let you know how our family is doing and uh, thank God for your prayers I, I appreciate it uh, yeah, i'm I'm grateful to the Lord. That uh, he has blessed me with a wonderful wife. It's a great, great uh, asset to the family, and just wonderful with the kids. And is a much better communicator than I. Matter of fact, she can probably come and preach the sermon better than I can. But we need to start the sermon here, so I want you to turn to Revelation chapter two, if you will. Revelation chapter two. And uh, in our Sunday school class, we were, uh, we were in Revelation. In our service uh, this morning, we were in Revelation. And we're going to, first of all, we'll read uh, the very first church in Revelation chapter 2, the first one that's mentioned out of 7. And we're going to read about this church in Revelation chapter 2. And we'll read down to verse 7. The Bible says unto the angel, "Oh, let's stand, please. Let's stand. I I like to stand when we're reading the scriptures. Let's stand, please, as we read Revelation chapter two, verse one. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things: saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labour, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and." Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I, ha- I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of of god let's have a word of prayer father in heaven thank you for this day lord i pray for this very moment for this very time for these very folks that are here i pray lord that you would bless i pray the holy spirit would come down that you would speak to our hearts this evening and lord i pray that you would burn within our hearts that love that once we had lord i pray that you would help us to be the christians that we need to be lord uh, and uh, I pray that you would do great things here this evening. Give spirit-filled listening to thy people here tonight. Be with those that may be listening online. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you give me your power as I preach. And Lord, help me to say the things that you want me to say, that I might be glor- glorify you and honor you and praise you, Lord, in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning, we were trying to go through... Uh, the, just a little bit of history about what what is going on here in Revelation. Uh, in Revelation, uh, at the beginning of Revelation in chapters 2 and chapters 3, the Bible says that uh, uh, the, the Lord has given seven churches and the seven churches are churches that God has brought, brought, brought into this world and things that we can learn about these churches seven churches as you see at the beginning the, the very first church uh, of Ephesus here it says these thing, things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks now a lot of that might just be kind of Greek to you or something but I'll try to understand help you understand a little bit but these seven golden candlesticks basically are the churches themselves and uh, uh, I, I look at the stars as being as you look at here. The Bible says unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. As you look at each one of the churches, each one of the churches is named an angel, and I believe that could be the same thing as those stars that are mentioned here in each one of these it's each one of these churches. So, in each one of these churches, the Bible says that there there is an angel that brings forth that brings forth this message. Now, we know that Jesus Christ gave to John the words to write in the book of Revelation, but these words were given specifically to these messengers, to uh, these leaders of these churches. And uh, these, this message that was brought forth to each church, these messages are all kind of different messages. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But in each one, the, there are three phrases, as I mentioned here this morning. The three phrases, one of the, uh, is the phrase, the angel of the church of, and it would name the church. So it, it tells you where the church is, who is bringing forth that message. You understand what I'm saying? And then uh, it goes on and says this. In each one, uh, at each one of these churches, all seven churches, he says this. I know thy works. I know thy works. In other words, what he's trying to say here is, I know what your church is all about, and I want to put it in Revelation so the churches throughout all ages can understand what's going on in these churches. And where we need to change what we need to go, do, good, do uh, to help that church or where we need, we need to make sure that our church don't, doesn't follow those ways. But whatever it is, the history of that, ch- uh, that church, the Bible says, I know thy works and I want to tell you the works of these churches. Then... The third phrase, as we'll just repeat it here, just kind of as a repetition to understand what these churches are all about, uh, at the end, or, or real close to the end of each and every, talking about each and every one of these churches, there's a phrase that says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, If I have an ear and I'm listening to the preacher, I'm listening to somebody reading the word of God, I'm listening, uh, maybe even I'm just listening on, uh, you know, on, uh, uh, on my app or something, my Bible app, and I'm listening and I hear these words, then the spirit of God can tell me just exactly what's going on about these churches. And I know that it's, it's talking about the churches themselves, but also I believe God has put these churches in here to let us know as a church where we need to be, what we need to be doing, what we need to be changing, how we need to be as a church. So there are many things that we can learn from the churches. As we looked in our Sunday school class today, we looked uh, you know, at the, the, the church of Smyrna and the, 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 the um trials that they went through, the tribulations that they went through, and the fact that, that they were able to, to go through those things and be, uh, be strong in those things. And we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were strong in their trial. And so we see the example uh, that they were. We talked about in the morning service about the church of Laodicea. And this was this was a church that had grown, had been sitting on the fence. They had their feet a little bit in the world. They also were were you know trying to worship God, but that doesn't work. God says we're not supposed to be lukewarm, as it talks about there in chapter three, as we looked at that church and, and how that that God uh, didn't like the fact that they were lukewarm, and He was so sick about it. He says, "I'm I'm I want to just throw up. I just want to just ex." Fell just the the the, this naughtiness this filthiness this grossness and i don't want the church to sit on a fence i don't want you to just be in in one way and out the out in one side and out the other i don't want the world to be a little bit in there and i don't want you to be just kind of doing a little bit for the lord i want you to be all in for god I want you to be doing what God wants. And so you can see the differences between the churches here. And today, as we, uh, as we start off with the very first church of Ephesus, the very first church of Ephesus is a church that is basically the early church. Uh, Paul. We, we hear about all the churches that she, uh, Paul worked with, and, and and Luke, and and others. James, others that were working in the early church. These are men that were working in these churches and building these churches, and. The church of Ephesus was started by the Apostle Paul. But at this point of time, Timothy had taken over the church. And you know how, uh, how uh, Paul ex- ex- exhorts Timothy and teaches Timothy throughout the book of Timothy. And we see how he's teaching him and trying to help him to learn and everything. Uh, but, but Timothy uh, is, is in charge of the church of Ephesus at this time. And so this is the very first church period. This is the very uh, very uh, beginnings of the church. And uh, all of these churches uh, represent uh, perhaps a certain period of time. As you look at what kind of church they were, the things they went through, and uh, we talked about uh, uh, the uh, Church of Smyrna uh, that uh, was, say, 100 to 313 A.D., And so you see, and and this one goes before that, you know, from the time of Christ or a little after the time of Christ when the church began to be developed uh, up until, say, 100 A.D. And so all these churches have a period that you can look at and say, yeah, this church is just like that period of time. And it's amazing how the word of God works, isn't it? This Bible, this Bible was all put together. God put it all together, and, and He used different people to write this Bible. In this case, it's the uh, it's John. And God used the John to write the book of, of, of Revelation. And so all these people were put together to write and to, to put into the word of God. And now all of a sudden we look at the history of these churches and we say, wow, that's just like this church. That's just like this church. And many people believe that the church of Laodicea, what we talked about this morning, is the church of today and the coldness that, that the church has today, and, and uh, you know people that sit on the fence, and they don't want to do anything, and they're compromisers, and they, their church sits in the world, but it also kind of sits sort of in, you know, with the Lord and everything, and, and, and they're just trying to put it all together, but it doesn't work, and God doesn't like that. So we, we come to the church of Ephesus, and, and this early church had, had, uh, had been uh, uh, evangelizing. This church had been working hard, this church had seen uh, success throughout Europe, throughout Asia. People had been coming to the Lord. Churches had been established. Many churches had been established. And many things were going on. As you can see what's going on in the church of Ephesus in verse 2, uh, boy, there's quite the accommodation here as you think about what, uh, what is said about this church. He says, I know thy works. Well, what are your works? Well, let's take a look at it. Verse, verse Continued in verse 2, it says, And thy labor uh, and thy patience, and how that cannot bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So even in in uh, verse 2, we see, it sa- says, I know your labor. I know that you're working hard. I know that you're trying to uh, get out there and evangelize. I know that you're trying to work hard for the Lord. Uh, I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you uh, you have been through trial, and that trial has produced patience, and it's been hard, but you've endured through that patience. I know, uh, as you continue on in verse 2, and it talks about uh, the people that were uh, causing evil and trying to teach false doctrine. I know... I know that you've rejected the false teachers. You've rebuked them. You've tried them. And you said, we don't want to have anything to do with these false teachers in our church. And uh, I know as you go into verse 3, it says, and has borne and has patience. Uh, you've, you've endured. You've endured. You, you have uh, taken on these things and you, you've, had, you've endured for all these years, these decades. You've, you've worked hard. You've endured. And, uh, and again, we see uh, that word patience where they just continued on. And if you, if you skip a little bit, and uh, it says here in verse 6 it says, But thou hast, uh, that thou hast, that thou ha- hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And uh, the deeds of the Nicolaitans, as it was known, they were idolatrous, and uh, uh, and the people would come in and, and they would worship these idols. But uh, adulterous things would go—not just idolatry, but adulterous things would happen as they would go into the temple. Now, in uh, Ephesians uh, or in Ephesus, uh, the goddess Diana was there, and there were certain places where you would go into into. Uh, into certain uh, areas where uh, the goddess Diana uh, was worshipped, and there was terrible deeds, wicked deeds that were going on, sexual deeds that were going on, and it was, it was immoral, it was ungodly. And the Bible says that the church of Ephesus says, I know you hate those deeds, I know that you have not followed those things, and a lot of people had been turned away from the truth because of the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And there's some other things that we could talk about concerning that, but we'll, we, we can leave that for another time. But turn to Romans chapter 5, if you will. Romans chapter 5, and we'll look at a several passages of scriptures here tonight. Romans chapter 5, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. Now, I, I'm, I'm talking about the church of Ephesus here, and, and uh, this church was in a city that uh, uh, they estimate had uh, over 200,000 people. Uh, much bigger than any city that we have here in Montana. Much, much bigger. It was a, a booming metropolis. It was a seaport city. There were, there were people that would come in with you know, their ships and their wares and all the, you know, all the different things. And a lot of people lived there because you know, it was a place where they had jobs and, and there was just a lot of things going on. A lot of, a lot of, lot of people there and uh, a, a great need of people coming to Christ. And so when Paul came to Ephesus, he says, "This is this is a great place to start a church," and he did. And so uh, we find ourselves in Romans chapter five and verse one, and it says, "Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith." Into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, first of all, the Bible says here that the, it, through grace they were able to stand. Through grace. God had justified them. God had uh, made them at peace with God. And this is a, a, a passage that where uh, we, ha- we have Christians here where, where they realize what God had done and, but they also needed to understand that we, we have an access by faith. And that access through our faith is the fact that we can stand through the grace of God. By faith, we can believe that. We can believe that when the temptation comes, when the hardship comes, uh, when the oppression comes from the enemy, as it was in the church of Ephesus because they were making a stand for Christ, uh, that we can have, we can be able to stand by the grace of God. We can do that. Okay, let's continue on. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Now, we see that word tribu- tribulation. And the church of Ephesus had gone through tribulation. They were uh, not, maybe not so much as the church of Smyrna, but they were beginning to go through tribulation because of their stand for Christ. And, and uh, they, they had worked hard. They were still serving God. They were still uh, trying to, trying to uh, uh, keep the church going and everything. And, and they were in the motions of doing the work of God. You know, Everything they were doing, they were trying to do the work of God. They, they were, uh, they were uh, being patient in the tribulation. They were not giving up. The Bible says tribulation worketh patience. And when we go back to Revelation chapter 2, we see several times where the Bible says that they had patience. So we know that they had been going through tribulation and it was hard for them. 2 Timothy 2 verse 24 says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. Again, we see that word patience. And so instead of striving against man because of what they're doing, because of the tribulation they're causing... Uh, uh, the the uh, Timothy in the, in the book of Timothy is talking about how we need to, we need to uh, not strive but be willing to have that tribulation be willing to have uh, you know in, endure that thereby having the patience to be able to do and have the do, do the things that God wants and have the grace of God in our lives to be able to help us to do that. I love this verse in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. It's always an encouraging verse. And be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, they had endured, and they had endured, and they had endured, and, and uh, they just kept going. Uh, they endured through the tr- trial of far- false teachers. They said, we're not going to have anything to do with it. They endured through the hypocrites that were in the church that says, we're this, and we're not, but we're not. Uh, They endured through any wicked practices that may have tried to come into the church, and they said, we're not going to have that in our church. Uh, They had not given in, and God had given them patience through their tribulation. God had given them strength through their tribulation. They were faithful through their trials and through their persecutions. They were sound in their doctrine, but they were short. On love. Did you hear that? They were sound in their doctrine. I mean, they were working hard. I mean, the the Bible says that they they had been laboring. The Bible says that they had been working. They were probably out just like uh, uh, you folks are out on Saturday, maybe working the bus route, maybe knocking on doors but uh, working on your Sunday school class, uh, you know, work, working on, on your lessons and, and preparing for junior church, whatever it may be, they were laboring. They were, they were, they were out there doing the work of God. They uh, were sound in their doctrine, in their beliefs, in what they were doing, but they were short in their love. And so we need to think about that here tonight. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. The Bible says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Thou hast left thy first love. Do you remember the time when you got saved? Do you remember the day when you, you might have gotten down on your knees, maybe it was here at the altar, Maybe it was in your home. Wherever it was, do you do you remember that time? Maybe, maybe you don't remember the, the the actual time of the day. Maybe you don't remember the actual date, but you remember the salvation that God gave to you. Wasn't it a wonderful thing? Didn't you didn't you feel like that everything, all that burden was lifted? And and I remember when I got saved, I got. I got up off on my knees, I opened up the door to my youth pastor's office and walked out in the hallway and I felt on cloud nine because a burden had been lifted. I knew that I needed to be saved. And I, I and, and I tell you what, I got baptized two weeks later and after I after I come up out of the way I said, Praise the Lord I mean I was excited and I've been excited ever since because of what God did for me. And and I've tried to keep that love going. And I have to be honest with you, sometimes it's kind of waned, and sometimes it's come, and sometimes it's gone. And I've tried to keep it going. I've tried to have that same love that I had when I first got saved. That same enthusiasm, that that same care that I took for my God, I want to have that same love. Turn to Matthew chapter 24, if you will. Matthew chapter 24. Now, there are some things that can draw us aside. There are some things that will come along that will do, uh, do some damage, that will harm us, that will hurt us. How we react to those things is, is where God sees our heart. Now, we might not physically react to it, but God knows where our heart is. Now, let's take a look at this. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 4, the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye uh, be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you to be up up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets, prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now we look at that passage of Scripture and we see there are several things here that can cause our heart to wax cold, that can cause an unbelief, that can cause us to go, to, to, to go astray from the Lord Jesus Christ, that can cause us not to love him like we need to. You see, uh, the, the church of Ephesus, they, they serve God. They obeyed God. They were trying to do what they can to work hard. But, and they were strong in their service. They were strong uh, in, in what they knew that God wanted them to do. But they were not strong in their heart. They were not strong in their love. And they began to stray away. And God says, look, you, you, you know where you're at. And I know that it works. And this is what's happening. And guess what? I know your heart. I see what you're doing, but I know your heart. You see, God sees what we're doing here uh, at Galilee Baptist Church. God sees that you're busy. Thank God for that. God sees that you're you're working hard and be not weary in well-doing. Amen. But he also sees your heart. And he sees if you love him like you used to. He sees if you lost that first love. You see, in this passage of Scripture, because of deceivers because of the fighting wars of mankind, because of the constant hearing of the earth's destructive elements, because iniquity abounded more and more around them, uh, and because of uh, suffering for Christ, the, the love of many shall wax cold, the Bible says. You see, that love that they had, that love was not there anymore. You see, they lost it. It was gone. It was no longer there. Uh, uh, To the Ephesian church, uh, it was mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. Of course, Ephesians talks about the Ephesian church. In chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. You know what God is saying there? He says, Your love for God should show in your work for God. It shouldn't be just a a uh, you know a job. It shouldn't be just something. Well, you know, everybody expects me to do it. It should be that you, you the the job the the the, uh, the thing that God has given to you. You should do it in the love of God, with the love of God, and knowing that you're pleasing God, and not man. It doesn't matter if you have the praise of man. The Bible says we're not to be as man-pleasers, uh, man but we're to love God. Our, our, whole, our whole lot in life is to glorify God, no matter what we do. Whether it's serving God in the church, whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. And so if we're like the church of Ephesus, and we're serving, and you know we're, we're doing the things that God wants us to do, but... Our heart's not in it. God's not pleased. And God says, you have lost your, your first love. You've gotten away from the love that, that uh, you once had for me. You no longer have that love. You're serving. Yes, that's good. That, that's good that you're trying to make a, a, an effect in the lives of people and, and, and helping people in the church and, and going and picking people up on a bus route and, and working in junior church and working down in the nursery and whatever it is that you do, working in the sound room. Whatever it is that you do, uh, you're doing that, but are you doing it because you love God? See, the, the, the very esteem, the very admiration, the very wonder, the very appreciation that they first had for Jesus in the early church had waned. And uh, as, uh, you know, when Paul was first getting there and, and they were starting that church, boy, I tell you, they were on fire for God, and uh, you know anything about Paul, he was one of the greatest missionaries in the Bible, he must have been exciting to hear, you know, and all the trials that Paul went through, he must have had a lot of patience, and God must have been using him a lot, and God was doing great things through him, uh, even in the Ephesian church, and the people were excited, and great things were happening, but now, the love had waned, the love had begun to dry up, the church had began to die in their love for God. In uh, in the beginnings of 2020, the government said everything had to be shut down. The churches had to be shut down. You were shut down. We were shut down. I believe that it is important to Uh, follow authority. There are times that we need to do that. And for the sake of others and for the sake of being an example, uh, we had to do that. But I want to tell you something. I believe, truly I believe, that ever since that, the church has been like Ephesus. They have gotten away from the work of God. Uh, They have gotten away from their love for God. They have, they have not gotten back. And, you know, I so, said, well, well, things are going to be completely different, or, or things, you know, the, the church isn't going to be the same anymore. Why not? Why can't the church be the same? The church has been that way for thousands of years, and, and the church was the same here in Ephesus. It's just that they began to lose their love for God, that's all. They didn't give up. They were a good church. They were good people. But they, their love for God had waned. That love that they once had was gone. That that desire that they once had, that admiration that they once had, that esteem that they once had for God was gone. And I believe ever since that time, the church has not been the same since. And I, 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 I'm preaching to the cream of the crop here. I understand that. I'm preaching to the, the best people probably here in Galilee Baptist Church. I understand that. But what I'm saying here is what, what was said here to the church of Ephesus, that messenger that brought forth the message here at the church of Ephesus, and the church of Ephesus said, look, we're doing this, and we're doing that, and these are the things that are, that, uh, that are going on, but yet you've lost your first love. You haven't gotten back to your first love. And in a lot of cases, the church hasn't gotten back to the works that they used to do. Shame on the churches that have completely given up. Shame on the pastors that said, well, I'm going to shut the doors, I'm going to give up, there's nobody coming, who cares? And you know, the devil just sits back and he just laughs. He laughs because he knows that God's people, and we are God's people, have given up on serving God, have given up on the love of God, have given up on being faithful to God, have have the churches have not come back to where they need to be and done the things that they need to do and be enthusiastic about the service of God like they used to be. Thank God for Pastor Walker that has been faithful through it all. I'm telling you, I know that it's been hard for him. He may not tell you everything, but I'm telling you, uh, it 's not easy being a pastor and having to go through some of the things that he has to go through you know going through five or six weeks and not having church okay going going to have have churches online yes but having people that would come and, and then not come and then just completely not come at all and just give up and people that just, oh, I, you know, I've gotten kind of comfortable in sitting in my chair, my easy chair, and watching the service online. And I, 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 I'm not condemning the folks that, that watch online. There are many of them that cannot come for one reason or another, and thank God you can do that. And, I'm, and honestly, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not condemning those folks. But those, the other people... I'm talking about, I'm talking about God's people that says, I could be a church, but I want to take it easy, you know, I I, I can get in my easy chair, and I can watch the service online, and it'll be the same. Let me tell you something right here, it is not the same. The Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, and the Bible says that there are many reasons for that. If anything, just to have fellowship with you good folks. I can go on and on with that, but that's a whole different message. But I'm just saying here tonight that, uh, uh, the, 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 that, that we have seen a, 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 a church and, a, and a, churches all across the land that, that have become complacent uh, to the things of God. They become lazy to the things of God. Well, we won't do this because, you know, we're still afraid of COVID. Oh, i don 't want to get into that too much but uh um, you know uh, people are going to be sick they 're going to get sick and and you know i, I and i 'm sorry that many people have died because of it and it is a true thing there's not there's there's no uh you know two ways about it there there is a, a bad thing called covid and and many people have uh suffered and died i I led a person to the Lord and like two weeks later he died and you know, I knew he was sick, and they asked me, you know, to talk to him through the window, you know, so I didn't, I didn't get sick or whatever, but uh, I was asked to go talk to him, and I did, and he prayed, and he accepted the Lord, and not long after that, uh, uh, you know, he died. And, 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 I, and I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not condoning being unsafe or anything like that, but all I'm saying here is that we have gotten, the, we have gotten this thing in our mind, as a church, as, as a body of believers throughout this land, and, I, and it's, I don't think it's just throughout this land, I think it's all over the world, where we have gotten lazy. And, and, and we as a church, as a group, a body of people, a group of believers, we need to say to ourselves, have we lost that first love? Where do we need to be as Christians? What do we need to be do, doing as Christians? And, and uh, how far have we gone astray? I know we're serving God. I know we're doing it. We're, in, we're open, aren't we? We're we are here, aren't we? I mean, you know, you served this morning, and it's, some folks are maybe down in the nursery even now. And, and, and you're doing the things of God. But all I'm saying here is where is our love for God? Where do we stand with God? Now, I want you to, I want you to see something about the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, we see that the church of Ephesus is actually going through a revival. I mean, mean, God is doing a a work and some some really uh, uh, powerful things are happening here. In verse 13, the Bible says, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth.' And there were seven sons of one Sceba, a, uh, a Jew, and uh, uh, chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them uh, 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 and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and founded 50,000 pieces of silver. That is no small sum. And so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. We have a revival going on here. They saw what what had happened uh, with this evil spirit, and fear came on the church. And they said, "We don't want something like that happening to us. Let's get rid of our, you know, our, our evil books here. Let's get rid of our, our, our books of magic." And and they used the. Uh, Curious arts, as they would call it. And let's get rid of these things. We, we don't want to have any part of that. I mean, we're the church of Ephesus. We're the church that that that, that Paul had founded. And, 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 you know, we want to do what's right. And this is part of the early church there in Ephesus. And, boy, a revival had taken place. And the Bible says they got rid of their sin. They got rid of this, this wicked, these wicked things that were going on. And because they did, the Bible says, mightily grew the word of God. I mean, God... Uh, used his word through these people of Ephesus to reach thousands of people uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure they're in uh, a great city called Ephesus. Why? Because they were willing to give up their sin. They were willing to show their love for Christ. They were willing to give up that which uh, was was uh, uh, causing them not to have their love for Christ. They were sold out to Jesus. They were in completely love with Christ but now, several decades later, we find, as we read in uh, Revelation, where uh, the church of Ephesus had drawn cold. Oh, they were excited back then. Great things were happening back then. I mean, people were getting saved. The word of God grew mightily. Great things were happening. But now, several decades later, they had grown cold. And their love had waned. Were they still going as a church? Was the sign still out there? Yes. Yes. Were the people still coming? Yes, but their love for God had waxed, had, had waned. Their love for, for God had uh, dried up. In Amos chapter six and verse one, the Bible says, "Woe to them that are at ease in Zion." You see, this is a picture of a big city, Jerusalem, and these people were they were lazy. And if you, you read on in, in Amos, you see quite often that the, there was revival going on there and God was doing some great work and the darkness that was falling on Jerusalem was going away. Why? Because they began to realize that they were being lazy for God. They were being at ease and they, were not, they weren't doing the things that God wants them to do. And even when they were doing the things that God wants them to do, they weren't, they, they weren't doing it in love. And we see that going on. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. And then we have one other passage of scripture and we'll be done, here, uh, be done here tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and beginning of verse 20, it says, What glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable With God, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. Jesus didn't give up; He ended up in the cross, didn't He? He kept on going even through the trial. Verse twenty-two: He did no did no sin; neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to Him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, who, by whose stripes ye were healed. Now, here's the wonderful thing. Here it is right here. Jesus is showing to us that he was an example, even in suffering, in, even when things were go, uh, you know, uh, going tough, even for him, he kept on going, and he wants to tell us something here. What is it that he wants to tell us? Verse 25, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Jesus said, I have left you the example. Now, I want you to know something. Even though you've gone astray, even in the suffering and it's been tough, I want you to know that you can return back to the shepherd and bishop of your soul. You can return back to that love that you once had. You can return back to that care that you once had. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. What does it mean to have a broken heart? Let's take a look at it. Joel chapter 2, and this will be our last chapters that we're going to look at here this evening. Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 12. But this is what it means to return with a broken heart. This is what it means to say, I'm going to go back to my first love. This is what it means by realizing that, yes, I've been serving God. I've been doing all this, but I have lost my love and I need to return to my God. Verse 12, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God? blow ye a trumpet in Zion sanctify a fast call a solemn assembly gather the people sanctify the congregation assemble the elders gather the children and those that suck the breast let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet let the priests the ministers of the Lord weep before the porch and the altar and let them say spare thy people O Lord and give not thine inheritance to reproach that the heathen should rule over them wherefore should they say among the people where is their God? So I'm here to tell you here that people can look right through you and say, yes, you serve God, but you don't love God. And they can say, where is your God? Where is your God? You see, there are people out there that know who you are. There are people out there that know if you're real. There are people out there that know that the service that you have for God and the, the, the things that you do for God and you come to church and you uh, come to revival meeting starting the 15th through the 17th with Brother Byron. You, 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 you're faithful. You do these things. But where is your love for God? Where is your love for God? You see, the church there in Ephesus they were hard workers. They were soul winners. They were they were out there evangelizing. They were out there serving in the church. They were laboring. They were patient, and they didn't give up in tribulation. They didn't they didn't you know fall away from God. They they didn't they didn't uh, the first time that something bad happened to them just out the door. They didn't say to COVID, okay, you know, it's just been a little too tough and and I, you know, I can be in my own lazy chair and I can serve God in my own house. You see, they were people that were patient. They were patient in their tribulation. They kept going in their tribulation. They kept doing what they needed to do in their tribulation. They got rid of the false teachers. They, they, they got rid of the hypocrites. And, and uh, they, the Bible says that they had born and they had endured and they have done all this. But they lost their love for God. And we look in Joel chapter 2, and we see throughout this that, that, that the, the call was going out to the people, to the congregation, to the elders, to the children, to the bridegroom, to the bride, to everybody that was there. Come back to me. Love me with all of your heart. Call out at solemn assembly. Bring forth a fast. Let's get back to God. And what I'm saying here tonight is that God's people have become lazy when it comes to their love for God. Where do you stand with God here tonight? Yes, there are probably people in this room right, that would be in this room right now if they hadn't give up after those six weeks back in 2020. You can probably name them. And those of you, you might be listening online, you might be mad at me, but this is the word of God. I'm telling the truth and you know it. There are some folks that are probably in this church. There are folks that are churches all across America that need to get back in the pew and start working for God. They need to get right. They need to stop, uh, stop uh, ha- not having faith and believe that God can protect them if they're afraid of being sick, if they're afraid, uh, you know, come in your mask if you want to. That's fine. Nobody's going to criticize you for it in here. I know that. But all I'm saying here today is that God's people, just like the Ephesian people, you're good folks. You've been serving God. You've been doing what's right. But where is your love for God? Have you lost your first love? If you have, go back and get it. Think about these words in Joel and what they did to get back to God, the revival that was taking place. What I'm saying here tonight is God's people need to search their heart. We talked about that uh, this morning. Where is your heart? Where are you with God? What have you put first in your life? You see, yes, our service is important. Doing the things for God is important. But more so than that is giving glory to God and loving him with all of our heart. Let's get back to our first love. Let's get back to loving Jesus. Let's get back to reading the Bible. Let's get back to prayer. Let's get back uh, to to having our devotions and let's stop making excuses for not living for God and loving him with all of our heart. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Lord, I know